Good to have everybody on the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network. We're glad you're here. Thanks so much. As always, on a Friday for hanging out with us. We certainly appreciate it. Coming up, bottom of the hour, you're going to hear from Matt LaFleur. We got Bo Melton, who talked to the media, who had the big game up in Minneapolis. And he reveals something. And you're going to hear it coming up. But one of the interesting facts when we talk about what's been the turnaround for the Green Bay Packers for the wide receiving core, for the passing game, okay, um, has been – I mean, we all talk about Pittsburgh where the the wide receivers kind of got together and started talking and honestly and openly getting into critique of one another, um, sharing their thoughts about what they should and shouldn't do and where they should and shouldn't be and all that kind of stuff. But one of the things that was revealed uh, was that Jordan Love, on Monday nights, after film on Monday, brings everybody to his house. And they all sit down and go over it together. And that's not something that we knew. That's not something we knew. So, um, I... There is something to be said, whether you have the best talent in the world or not, there's something to be said for everybody being on the same page and a camaraderie. Everybody pulling the rope in the same direction, whatever whatever cliche you want to use, but there's something to be said for the camaraderie. And I think that's that that is evident by what we're starting to see on the field now. And that was one of the things that got kind of brought to the surface uh, in uh, the locker room the other day was that uh, yesterday was that, you know, Bo Melton said, yeah, we all go to Jordan Love's house. What? Yeah, it's not just about being behind closed doors inside 1265. It's it's they all go to Jordan Love's house. Jordan Love has everybody over. And instead of sitting down and playing video games and everything, they're all going over film. They're all studying film. They're all talking. And that's that's impressive. Now, they're all the same age-ish, and they're all young. They're all looking to make a name for themselves. They're all trying to get better. They're all trying to get on the same page, and they're all trying to get theirs. But as a collective group to come together and and do that, that's, that's that, that was – when I heard that, I'm like, wow, that's that's impressive. You don't always get that as a group of guys away from the field. And to have that right now, knowing knowing kind of what's at stake in Green Bay and what they needed to do and how bad they were early on, or at least through a mid-portion of the season, that that's kind of taking it upon yourself. That's that's not coaching. That's that's not Matt LaFleur, and that's you know, it could be a hint from Matt LaFleur to say, hey, guys, if you guys really want to get together afterwards or something like that, if you need help, you know, maybe get on the same page. I mean, maybe he said something like that. I don't know. But to to have everybody get together over at Jordan Love's house, yeah, that's that's saying something. When you heard that, Grant, because you don't hear that very often. The last time we heard about a quarterback doing anything with anybody was like his rookie year when Aaron Rodgers brought everybody in for a barbecue at his house. And then he was working with 
uh, Jermichael Finley on Friday nights and Saturday nights before before games on Sunday. But other than that, we've never heard anything like that before, right? I mean, I love it. And I, I don't just mean to take a story like this and be like, well, Aaron Rodgers never did this. He, he did when he was younger and he was the yeah. same age as his teammates. That's the tough part of being a quarterback in the NFL for 15 years is you see all your friends mm-hmm. come and go and you're playing with a bunch of kids and you don't really relate to them. Um, but this rules this rule. No wonder they all love them. And no wonder, Bill, that they were able to work out some of these issues and become a better offense throughout the course of the year because right. they worked at it hard and they took pride in what they were putting on tape every week. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And that that's that's a great point is when you're older, you've kind of established yourself. And as Rogers has done so prolifically is basically you have to get on my my level. So it was up to Cobby to coach him up and other guys to take advantage of that and try to bring him up to his level. He didn't have time for that. Uh, whereas Jordan Love's like, look, th- this is this is what we do. And, you know, it kind of goes back to and I, I, ju- I just saw this from uh, from Ricky. Ricky said uh, it that goes hand in hand with what Justin Fields said about Green Bay. There's not much to do here. I'm glad there's not. I'm glad there's not. I'm glad that that's where the concentration is. I, that's part of the reason why there's a charm to Green Bay. You'd love to play in South Beach, you know, play in Miami, or you'd love to play in San Fran or, you know, out in L.A. and have all these different distractions. But on the other hand, you play in Green Bay, yeah, you know, it's a little bit colder here than a lot of places. But it's not that you don't have anything to do. It's just that it's just the pace of life is a little slower. So you get to go, you know what, let's go over such and such's house on a Monday night. We're going to start studying together. Okay. It's not to say you can't do that in New York, but it's just not done as much in New York because there's so much to do. So when I started hearing that, I'm like, wow, that's, I'm impressed by that. I was impressed by that. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to find a, find us, that's the, the phone number to do so. Again, 877-867-1670. Coming up in the uh, next uh, next break, uh, we're going to have Jake Budd of the Big Ten Network is going to be joining us. Uh, he'll chime in and give us his thoughts via the Big Ten and also uh, via Michigan as they get ready to uh, take on Washington in the uh, the title game coming up on Monday night. So we got a full weekend wraparound of sports and such, but looking forward to that. Uh, this one's from uh, the Backyard Backyard Paul. He says, uh, hey, Bill, it's incredible that Jordan Love thinks so highly of the guys around him and vice versa that they all want to work together to strive to be better. It's like they all have each other's backs. You would have never heard about that with Aaron Rodgers when he was here. He, uh, Like I just said, he would have always said, let Cobby coach him up. He's beneath that. Uh, well, first of all, Rodgers is not beneath that. Maybe he just looked at other guys as being beneath that. But Rodgers did reach out to guys. I mean, you know, one of his best friends was Jordy Nelson. They rode together. They talked together. They worked together uh, when it came to practice. So, Rodgers, it's not like he doesn't have a history of doing this. And the same thing when Randall Cobb lived with him. But that was veteran and veteran. Uh, But we all know that there were times that Rodgers said they need to get on my level. You know, that that was it. And you kind of looked at it and went, well, on one hand, 100% true. 100% 100% true. They do need to get on your level. They need to get on the same cerebral level. But unless you're, which it was always the argument for training camp, but unless you're there working with them, how do they know where your level is if it's coming, if that word is coming from somebody else? And it was, it was, the irony was such 
that when he did go to New York, suddenly getting into camp early was important to get on the same page with all these guys. And he became this dynamic leader by working with these guys in the facility and, you know, and all the stuff that we had been talking about here that he just refused to do later on in his career. Suddenly there it became important. And that's where the hypocrisy was so on display because it wasn't important here, but suddenly it wasn't important there. And that was because of the familiarity of the offense and he needed to learn it as much as they did. Well, when you got rookies coming in, they don't know the offense, even though you know it here in Green Bay. They don't know it. So work with them to get them up to your level. And that was always the argument. Uh, let's go to Mitch listening to us in Rice Lake. Mitch, how you doing, man? What's going on? Good. Just started catching your stuff on your Facebook feed this morning, and I heard you talking about Rodgers and the disconnect with the team from last year, things like that. Yep. Wanted to, to talk a little more about it because – I, and I'm not going to take anything away from what Rodgers did for the franchise or his career or anything like that because, quite honestly, it was amazing. But right. with this team, with Jordan Love, with the young group, I think we got the right guy to make this Sunday happen where we will get past the hump. I think we're going to get in. I I felt really, really strong earlier in this week. Uh, and by the time today has culminated, I hopefully I feel better. I just have this... I still have a little bit of anxiety. And last week on Monday, I felt like this was merely a formality getting into the postseason. Like they were going to come in, they were going to roll the bears, they were going to keep moving and bring on the next opponent uh, wherever it is they may have to go. But as the week went on, you start listening, you start talking, you're thinking, man, this is this is not going to be an easy game by any stretch, especially the way the, the bears are playing here down the stretch. So I agree with you. I think they're going to move on, but I'm not going to say that I uh, don't have a little bit of a qualm in my in my gut, so to speak. I feel the same way, um, and even before the Vikings game, I felt like this was the game this week against the Bears that I was more worried about. The Vikings have been on the decline for weeks now since their quarterback problems, um, but the Bears have been on the rise for just about as long as we have, So, and their, their arrow is definitely pointing up from what I'm seeing. And it's going to be a dogfight. I think it's going to be a good old-fashioned Packer-Bear game in, from the old times. And I think that's great. But I think Green Bay's got enough to get past them. That's just my opinion. Yep. No, I, I, that's probably a really succinct way of putting it. Mitch, appreciate the phone call, pal. Thanks so much. 877-867-1670. 877-867-1670. Uh, glad to have you on board. 877-867-1670. We'll get back into the phone calls and such coming up here in a little bit. Bottom of the hour, going to hear from Matt LaFleur. Jake Budd of the Big Ten Network is going to be joining us coming up next. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Buzzard Billy's out in La Crosse. Buzzard Billy's and upstairs is the Starlight Lounge. Both of them great places. It's a Fish Fry Friday. Stop into the old brick uh, hotel that is now Buzzard Billy's and Starlight Lounge on Pearl Street in La Crosse, Wisconsin. The Starlight Lounge, that 1950-style cocktail lounge. So cool. Good martinis. Uh, the Snickers martini is out of this world, by the way. They got some really good martinis upstairs, but downstairs, Buzzard Billies, stick to your ribs food. The hush puppies are as big as your head, and they have got a great lineup of tapper beers as well. That's Buzzard Billies in the Starlight Lounge out in Lacrosse. Going to talk some Big Ten Network stuff when we come back. More of the bill, Mike. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.
Welcome back. Good to have you. The Social House on Lisbon Road, Menominee Falls. It is a Fish Fry Friday. They've got clam chowder today on special. Perch fish fry on special. Cod fish fry, only 13 bucks. Get three pieces, potato pancakes, fries, coleslaw, rye bread, fish tacos, fish sandwich. They've got it all going on. That's the Social House today. All the specials today for a Fish Fry Friday at the Social House. Lisbon Road, Menominee Falls. And uh, stop in and see Dan Della and the entire staff. Good, good, good people. Good people. Uh, let's do this. Let's uh, take a look around uh, the Big Ten. And Jake Butt from the Big Ten Network now joining us uh, on the hotline. Jake, how you doing today, man? Happy New Year. Oh, man, Happy New Year. I'm doing great. I'm heading to Houston. Uh, so I'll be down there for the national championship, just putting the final touches, getting packed up and everything. And uh, let's just say, man, can't be better than us. Well, here's my question. Uh, you've got, obviously, a lot of, of storylines around the game, but are the storylines regarding Harbaugh bigger than the actual game at this point? Because it's all speculation as to whether or not he will or will not be back with Michigan, what the NCAA is going to do in the offseason as far as suspensions or restricting Michigan in some way, shape, or form. You've got now the scandal from Ohio State and uh, kind of a cheating scandal there going on. you got a lot happening right now that's revolving around this particular game, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess, you know, it depends who you ask is what I would say. I mean, if you ask Coach Harbaugh, if you ask the team, the guys that really matter, it, nothing's bigger than that. You know, nothing's bigger than the game. But, you know, we do, we do what we do in the media, and we ask questions. It's fair to ask and say, where is he going to be? But truly all that matters is the game. And I know Coach Harbaugh is going to be ready. Anyone assuming they know the mind of Coach Harbaugh, I just, they kind of they, they lose credibility to me. No one knows inside Jim Harbaugh's mind. The uh, I look at this game coming up, and the, Michigan is so good in the trenches, which is where I believe uh, all games are really won. Uh, you can have specialty people on the outside, but if you have a quarterback that's under siege or guys that don't tackle or a run game that runs wild, you just don't have a way to stop them. I, can Michigan be stopped because they're just so much better in the trenches on both sides of the football? Well, there, I, I, I actually push back ever so slightly because Washington's offensive line won the Joe Moore Award. So Washington's offensive line won the award that goes to the nation's top tight end or uh, top offensive line. That's the award Michigan had won the past three years, actually. Um, so they got a good O-line up front. They've given up 10 sacks on the year. They really don't give up a lot of pressure. Michael Penix gets the ball out of his hand. They got a running back who's a 1,000-yard rusher. They're in a good spot as a team and as a program. Uh, the, the, but what Michigan needs to do more than anything is they, they need to win the trenches when they have the ball because they need to convert first downs and they need to move the chains and they need to start to put the pressure on Washington to respond to them. But I mean, that, that this game is such a, I mean, in the two 14 and 0 teams in college football, it, it's two great coaches. It's two great quarterbacks. The field will be littered with playmakers, um, great coordinators, it is It is going to be – what I fully expect is we're going to see one of the best college football games of the entire season. When you look at Michael Penix, now I, I, I have thought Penix is the best quarterback in the country all season long. I know there's always a lot of talk about Caleb Williams, but I just – I like Penix's game. His arm is strong. He can throw it 40 yards in a laser. I love his game. Talk to me about Michael Penix Jr. Really, you know, Penix is a is, he's an NFL court. I've heard this said he's an NFL quarterback that's still in college. I mean, that he's like an Olympic archer. That ball leaves his hand and it goes exactly where he needs it to be. 
it's truly remarkable to watch. And, and that's going to be a big challenge for, for Michigan to respond. I think it's going to take all 11 guys. You know, here, here's a good comparison. And, and those that um, follow Michigan will know this. Back in 2021, when Michigan first beat Ohio State in the big house with Aiden Hutchinson, Ohio State had C.J. Stroud, who we all see what he's doing. They had Jackson mm-hmm. Smith and Jigba, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, young Marvin Harrison Jr. They had talent all over the field in that game. And Michigan showed up to play him tough. So th- th- this matchup's similar in that sense. And the reason Michigan won that game wasn't because they shut down Ohio State offensively. C.J. Stroud still got his. The receiver got theirs. But they were able to force Ohio State into – kicking field goals every now and then when they otherwise would have scored touchdowns. They were able to have some critical plays offensively to extend drives. That's the game plan here. You're not going to shut down Penix. You're not going to shut down Washington. But can you force them to kick a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown because you knocked them back on third and six? You know, that's the difference of four points. That'll, that's going to add up throughout the game. Uh, and that, that has to be Michigan's thought process. And I believe it is their thought process going into this game. Uh, something that, that uh, Coach Harbaugh said during his postgame presser at the, uh, the Rose Bowl, he said when asked about everything that's gone on this season, being suspended in the beginning, all the accusations, then being suspended at the end, he said it's been an unfair advantage for us. Uh, you know, And I get kind of what he's saying. Do you believe it's been an unfair advantage for them, or is that just coach speak? I mean, I, would you call it an unfair advantage? You know, probably not. I don't think I could call it an unfair advantage, but I would say this is like, that's what great teams do is they take the outside noise and the adversity and they spin it back to favor, you know, favor themselves. So that, that's what great teams do. That's what Michigan has done and is doing right now. And, and you know, it, it does play a factor. As, you know, you can flex your, your, your neuromuscular muscle by staring in the face of adversity and choosing not to quit. In, in, in a sense, yes, I see exactly what he's saying. The adversity this team has faced this year has benefited them because that game against Alabama was full of adversity. It was full of adversity, and the team did not quit. They did not fold. They showed up. They fought for four quarters when they needed it most. They drive down to tie the game in regulation after converting a fourth down. I mean, th- that, that is who this Michigan team is, and they have been able to practice it all year because of the adversity they, felt they faced, whether you think it's self-inflicted or not. What I was so surprised at in that game against Alabama was the speed of the secondary of Michigan and the fact that they just pinned their ears back and they came after Jalen Milrow. I think they got him, what, five, six times in that game? Yeah. They had they won in the trenches, but there really wasn't anybody flying wide open. I just could not get over I mean, you don't really see the speed until you put it up against, say, SEC teams because they always talk about the wide receivers in the SEC. I was really impressed with not just getting to Jalen Milrow uh, six times, but I was impressed that he didn't have anybody to throw to. I mean, they had re- they got a lot of speed in that secondary. Oh, they absolutely do. You know, Will Johnson, number two, he might be, you know, the best. He, he might challenge Charles Woodson when it's all said and done. Obviously, Charles Woodson's a gold jacket, so complete respect. I'm just talking about, you know, when we talk about J.J. being the best Michigan quarterback, we're talking about college careers. I'm not saying J.J.'s better than uh, Tom Brady, of course, but – you know, when it's all said and done, Will Johnson might have his name up there with the all-time greats that played the cornerback position here in Ann Arbor. But it doesn't—it just doesn't take him. Mikey Sainer still is an unsung hero, a phenomenal leader. You got guys—you got guys across the defensive line that are able to rush the passer. 
it just goes through and through and through and it adds up to be like a unit wide thing. And the orchestrator behind the whole thing is defensive coordinator, Jesse Minter. He does such a phenomenal job of organizing them and knowing when to send pressure and when to push back. So uh, it's been fun to watch all 11 of those guys and including the eight or nine that they rotate and the defensive coordinator, all every guy on this team is going to need to be at their best on Monday night if they want to win. Uh, I want to ask you one more thing before we get into, I want to talk a little bit about the Badgers, but uh, the fact that the run game, we talk so much about the passing game, but Blake Corum, I mean, he ended up with 118, 19, 20 yards or something like that against Alabama. And that was when Zach Zinter went down. Zach Zinter went down in that game against Ohio State. He was their best run blocker. And you thought, oh boy, how much are they going to suffer? And they suffered a little bit against Iowa. What did they do so different that Corum got free against Alabama? It's, you know, Part of it is is what happened. So so Zach Zinner is an All-American consensus, and he's a phenomenal offensive lineman. But what they did is they took Carson Barnhart, who was playing tackle, and he struggled to b- block some of the Penn State rushers. He struggled to he struggled out on the edge. He's more of a guard. At the next level, Barnhart will play a guard. So when Zinter went down, Barnhart slid in and is now playing inside, and he had some key blocks pulling around as the guard. And then they took Trente Jones who had been playing like the extra offensive lineman, the extra tight end, he, he, he's much more comfortable out at the edge. So they took Barnhart and moved him in. Trente Jones plays tackle now. And what that did is, you know, a, a receiver's more dependent on themselves. So a, a receiver singularly needs to be good. But an offensive line, the sum is greater than the parts. And I think what you saw was a unit. I'm not saying they're better without Zach Zinner. But the unit as a whole stepped up, which is what we, which, which is what led to that performance. I also think I got to give credit to Sharon Moore in terms of his play calling. How, how, how often were you guys seeing them do these shifts and motions pre-snap to confuse Alabama? You know, Nick Saban had a real interesting quote in the post game talking about how most teams they played this year don't huddle, and that means it's harder to get your calls in on time to get your defense set up. Well, Michigan huddled, and that uh, that made kind of effectively Alabama's defense was like a step behind getting their calls in. And then you combine the shifts and the motions, and it just led to uh, a phenomenal, not perfect, but a phenomenal offensive performance. Uh, I want to transfer over to uh, Wisconsin football real quick. Give me your assessment of the first year of Luke Fickle and what he did at Wisconsin. Well, look, it's a program in transition. I think it's certainly disappointing at some level when you when you think about, you know, Wisconsin have been consistently, you know, winning eight, nine, ten games and, and competing with the best of the best in the West. So I think that some of it is to be expected when you go from that offense to an air raid offense, right? I mean, you go from the consistent 3-4 base defense under Jim Leonard to a blend of the elites, as uh, Coach Fickle called it. They're revamping the entire image of the program. So whenever that's going to happen, there's going to be some challenges, and they face those this year. They competed well with LSU in the bowl game. The offense looked to bounce, find some life, even without Ches Malusi and Braylon Allen. I, I, won't, I, I don't have a full judgment on year one. I don't think it was good. I don't think it was bad. I want to see what they look like this year, in year two of this system, and in year three. What direction are they trending as a program? How long does it take for a new system, new defensive core? I mean, you bring in everything. Everything was new. How long does it take for something like that to sink in, not just with the new guys, but obviously with the guys that have been there, done that, that have been doing it a certain way for the last couple of years? Uh, well, it, 
it depends on the individual. You know, there's some guys that can pick it up quickly, uh, and there's other guys that it might take a little bit longer, and that, that's fine. But what happens is, is we're in the world of the transfer portal. So it's not just a new coach. It's not just new coordinators. You have a brand-new quarterback in Tanner Mordecai, and then he gets injured. You've got a whole new out, outlet of wide receivers. You know, they're all learning the new system. Chemistry matters. You have new guys all over the roster. So it, it does take time for guys to get to know each other and get familiar with the system. I think that's really what you saw this year. It's just guys starting to feel it out a little bit, starting to learn each other, starting to learn who they are within this system. And what you really would hope to see is some big jumps in year two. But, of course, Wisconsin went out and got Van Dyke. They got another transfer quarterback coming in. So there will be further change even this year. Uh, real quick before I let you go, J.J. Uh, McCarthy uh, in his presser throws a little shade at Ohio State, saying the sign stealing started with Ohio State and such. And you know, and I know that people are starting to look into this now. What Ohio State didn't didn't do is this just uh, kind of tit for tat over there between those two two schools that really don't like each other? It's always tit for tat, but you know, the sign stealing didn't start with Ohio State. The sign stealing started in the beginning of time before this was even a conversation. It's been going on for years and years and years. That doesn't make it it, it right, you know, like what Michigan right. did. You know, that's against the rules. But I think the point he was trying to make is like, guys, listen, everyone steals signs. Everyone has their own method. You know, Jim Harbaugh got suspended. It was a significant suspension. He missed three games, the three most important games of the season for Michigan. He was not on the sidelines. And this team prevailed. You know, whether you think that that should be the only punishment or not, that's up for debate. But Jim Harbaugh served his time for the punishment. Um, and, and you could say it's fair or not because, you know, they sent Connor Stallions there or maybe they didn't send him. He sent himself, whatever it was. That's the difference. Everyone steals signs. It wasn't always about how the signs were stolen. Um, and, and, you know, now, now it's just a matter of, hey, you know, the investigation playing out with the NCAA and we'll see, you know, where the chips fall when that's all said and done. But um, I, I think the number one thing is, you know, for Michigan, the way they played against Alabama, beating them, and it wasn't even their best day as a team. They played great for so many moments, but the special teams error and the mental lapse, they beat a, a real damn good Alabama team and Nick Saban and a team that beat Georgia, who we all thought was the number one team in college football. I think that shows you that this, this team is extremely talented and those trying to discredit some of their success because of everything that went on, it was a message to those people. Always great to chat, my friend. I certainly appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk again real soon. Thanks for the info, okay? Anytime, guys. Yep, take care. Thanks, Jake. There you go. Jake joining us for a couple of minutes. Jake Butt of the Big Ten Network kind of giving us the breakdown. And uh, I think it's nine and a half is the spread. Uh, uh, the uh, Wolverines are favored by nine and a half coming up on Monday night. But I'll, I'll tell you this, man. It is uh, – it is – I really the the matchup to watch is going to be the defensive front of Michigan against the offensive front of Washington. And if Washington gives Penix enough time to throw the football, man, it could be a a long day, long day for Michigan. We'll that see. that was cool information from Jake. And I'm not a college football diehard, but I think a lot of people, you know, they think Washington is this air raid, you know, high flying, and Michigan's in the trenches. I didn't know that Washington's offensive line was that decorated and that good. I think that's a wrinkle that a lot of casual yeah. college football fans maybe didn't know. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm excited about this one. I'm actually, it's, I think it's going to be a four and a half point spread. Now that I look at it, four and a half point Washington was nine and a half points, um, a week ago. So I'm kind of reading some aged news 
So, but no, um, four and a half point. Uh, Michigan's a four and a half point favorite in this one. So, uh, anyway, that being said, let's do this. We'll step out. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, and when we do, uh, we're gonna hear from Matt Lafleur when we come back. Stay tuned. We got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. The Bill Michael Show continues on. Got to say thanks to our friends at Steady, second to National Walker's Point, home of the award-winning Bloody Mary, home of the best wings you're ever going to put in your grill, and home of the Bill Michael's Garlic Cheese. Good stuff at Steady. And uh, don't forget, if you're looking for uh, an event downtown, whether it's Bucks, Marquette, Admirals, some of the concerts and such, or, or maybe a trip up to Lambeau. Or maybe a trip uh, over to uh, Miller Park or American Family Field once baseball season gets here. They run shuttles to everything. That's our friends at Steny, second and national in Walker's Point. Matt LaFleur, meet with the media yesterday. Take a listen. Dylan, Rudy Ford, Elton Jenkins, Isaiah McDuffie, Preston Smith, Limited, Aaron Jones, Luke Musgrave, Jonathan Owens, Jaden Reed, TJ Slayton, and Christian Watson. Is, uh, is it realistic for Christian or Christian? I'm sorry, Luke, for Luke to go on Sunday? We'll see. I'd say it's realistic. Yes. Okay. Where's Preston at? Because he, he returned to the game Sunday night, right? So just kind of just let him rest it during the week. Yeah, yeah. he's another guy. Like, I mean, he's been, um, I would say, the model of reliability throughout the course of his career. Uh, so anytime he's not out there, you know, it's, it's real. So we'll see. Um, obviously, we're hopeful for him, but um, we just got got a couple more days. Yeah, with Elton, he's been taking the Wednesdays off pretty regularly, I believe. I assume that was because the knee is the ankle now what's kind of keeping him out? Yep. Uh, what's the level of concern there? Uh, I mean, again, anytime a guy doesn't practice two days in a row, then there's, I'd say there's a concern. Going back to Preston Smith, what do you make of that? Nine years, one game missed. Uh, how does a guy do that? Uh, obviously, he, he knows how to take care of himself and be a pro, but I think you know some, some guys are just built to withstand, and I think he's one of those guys, and um, you know he's been – and he, I mean, quite frankly, he's, he's tough – like he'll be able to fight through a lot of things. So again, that gives us reason for optimism for this weekend. When you get these guys back who've been gone for a month or whatever, like Musgrave, like Watson, um, Aaron Jones was out for a while. What what's do you have to sort of uh, not get your expectations up too high when you're your game planning for them, knowing that I mean they haven't played in a month, but you probably want to use them. Sure, I think you, you absolutely, it's a fine line, right? How much are you going to put in for them? Um, or are they just going to be, you know, certainly you're going to have plays that are targeted to that position. It's just who's in that position, you know. Um, but they, those guys, just what they bring would definitely give us a boost. I mean, is there a tendency like, oh, I got Christian Watson back. I can 
play him 80 snaps or I'd want him to play him 80 snaps? No, I think you got to be, you have realistic expectations. You know, with Watson, I mean, he was just starting to get rolling for you. Um, is it possible to kind of pick up where they left off after missing so many games? You're talking about him and Jordan, the connection they built there. Yeah, I think um, he's got enough game experience that he absolutely could. It's just, well, how many opportunities will he get and how many plays will he play? And so I think that all that kind of factors into it. Where's Devondre at right now? Obviously, he's not on the injury report, which is a good thing, but it's just in terms of his body and how he's feeling. Yeah, I think he's, you know, he's definitely um, a lot healthier than he has been. And um, having some time off, I think, was was good for him just to help rejuvenate his body and be as fresh as you can be. Nobody's completely fresh at this time of the year, especially he's played a lot of snaps over over the course of his career, but certainly this year as well. And um, so, but he's, you know, he, he looks good. For you having him play, especially against a quarterback like Fields, where you got to keep him contained and, and his running ability, having those got two guys together, which hasn't obviously always been the case this year. Yeah, I think it, you know that's a pretty good combination right there. Having those two guys, they've played beside each other quite a bit, and um, certainly always want those guys out there. Just over a year ago, that Bo signed with you guys at the end of last season. Just what, what have you learned about him? Just his approach, just kind of the type of guy that he is during that time. Well, he brings so much great energy to the room, to practice every day. Whether he is on the show team, whether he's working with the first team offense, um, you know, he's just always pushing people to to be better, and um, that that including himself. So he gives great looks. Uh, I think. You know, we've mentioned it before, just the level of excitement that guys had for him celebrating his success uh, for what he's been able to do the last couple of weeks. And um, he just, he's a, I would say, well-respected and well-liked member of our football team. Did you see something there when he was on the practice squad that was translatable? Because I, I think, you know, when you are the practice squad call-up, you might not get the attention from the opposing DBs that once you put a game like that out on film. Like how, how much of his skill what he's done is transferable to, to long term. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, he's got a, a tremendous talent in the fact that he is he is really fast, and obviously you can't coach that, but, um, you know, it's just good to see somebody go out there, do it in practice, and then get opportunities, and it translate over to the game. That's what we're always trying to do, is take your indie to team, your team to to uh, the game day, and he's been able to do that. And um, it's, but it's a credit to all the work he's put in. Matt, after the Vikings game, Quinn Walker says he thinks about Week 18 from last season almost every other day. How much has he grown since that second ejection almost a year ago? Well, I think you saw it the other day in, in the Carolina game when you know there was a personal foul that uh, somebody hit him and he didn't respond. I mean that is that's growth. So. Um, never mind the fact that he did may may or may not have hit the runner out of bounds. Uh, that but that tends that tends to happen sometimes. And um, but I think just in terms of not retaliating, that's something that we've talked long and hard about. It's something that you know we had a conversation after the fact. I said, "Hey, I'm really proud of you for for not retaliating in that in that situation." And 
Um, that's a credit to him, his mindset, because it's tough, I think, on these guys. You, you know, you, you want them to go out there and play very physical and um, to, to just kind of shut that switch off. At, and um, But it was, it was cool to see him be able to do that in that situation. Hey, Matt, I asked you after the game about the rhythm that you and Jordan are in, play caller to quarterback, and you mentioned the Pittsburgh game, and then you mentioned it again yesterday. I'm just curious, that was after you said that, that he needed to let it rip and stop thinking so much. Did you feel like as a play caller, if I'm going to ask him to let it rip, maybe I need to let it rip a little bit too? Is that fair that maybe you decide to be a little less cautious or conservative, or is that am I completely wrong? No, I think there was a point in time where you realize if, if we're going to generate explosives, you better call the plays that can generate explosives. And um, But I think the, and we were having some success with that. And certainly I think when you do that and you start trusting everybody a little bit more, so it makes it a lot easier to call. But I guess in that end, I mean, yeah, you're not you're not wrong in thinking that way. Wondering because like you want to protect your young guys, right? You want to put them in position. It's your job to put them in position to succeed. But did you think that all right, I I, I can be conservative and try and protect them, but at some point I got to take, for lack of a better term, the training wheels off? Or I'm just wondering what your thought process well, was. I just think I mean every game's a little bit different in terms of how you attack and um, what plays you're calling because some some games are you're gonna try to it's like death by a thousand cuts so to speak you know where, where teams aren't going to give up those explosion plays and you just got to try to find completions um and other games where you're just going to call some of those deeper developing concepts that may be a little bit more risky uh in terms of obviously the the deeper the concept the, the longer you got to hold up in protection so it's never about just necessarily one position i'd say it's all encompassing from your offense alignment to what routes you're asking your receivers and tight ends to run to how much pressure is the defense bringing. And then ultimately it comes down to the quarterback and his ability to go out there no matter what is called and execute the play. Um, but I think we've had some success with some of that stuff that we've been doing that may be a little bit longer developing and, and being able to push the ball down the field a little bit more. Uh, but I think you almost have to earn the right to do that because if you do it, if you're constantly putting the ball down the field, um, then most likely defenses are going to adjust that and uh, play kind of top down and, and a softer defense. And um, so I think you have to earn the, the right to be able to do that. And it's not always through the pass game. Sometimes you got to turn around and hand it to your backs to draw people closer to the line of scrimmage. So I think there's a, uh, definitely a lot of different layers to that question. There you go. That's Matt LaFleur talking to the media, and he's right. I mean, you know, what he just said. I know I'm watching some of the comments over on the live stream, but he's 100% correct as to the, kind of the, the, the downfield passing game and what they've been able to accomplish this season. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. More of the Bill Michael Show coming back. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Of the program brought to you by our friends at Steel Tank Brewing and Rally Point. Rally Point, the big new music venue right behind it. 
And uh, I was just, just the other day, I was out and about running around, and uh, a friend of mine called and said, hey, uh, they were stopping at Seal Tank, and I couldn't meet them there, but he, I, he said, what do you recommend? I said, get the Italian sub. Get the Italian sub. It's, I, when I was growing up as a kid, my, uh, my Uncle Joe owned a five-star Italian restaurant in Cincinnati and loved it. He had a hoagie there. Uh, we called it hoagies. People called it bombers and grinders and all that kind of stuff. But they got this Italian sub there that is just out of this world, and it matches up with what my uncle used to serve. And I, it brought me back to my childhood. It was so good. Uh, but if you're going to do that, pair it up with some of the poutine uh, stank, uh, uh, steel tank fries. The poutine steel tank fries. Oh, my God. It's decadent. It's going to add some calories. But if you're talking about good stick-to-your-ribs food, oh, that's it. Steel tank brewing with Rally Point right out back. Uh, right there on Roebrook Lane in Oconomowoc behind the Exonia Bank. Uh, just two things that just go so well together. And they ha- have all their craft beers out there as well. And our buddy Dave, uh, who owns it, is veteran. He's a veteran. It's a veteran-owned business. Check out our friends at Steel Tank Brewing out there in Oconomowoc. Coming up just after the top of the hour in a couple of minutes, uh, Mark Grody from the Score 670, where he's, where he's going to give us a lowdown on the Chicago Bears. We had Brad Biggs yesterday. we got uh, Mark Grody today. And we'll talk with Mark uh, about this Bears team and the expectations and what's to come. And on also, after I was listening to uh, 670 a little bit to, during the week, uh, I was listening to a lot of fans saying this is their Super Bowl. This is all they they're, – they're just targeting the Packers. Beat the Packers. Do what the Detroit did, do, did to them last year, and that is knock them out of the postseason. Take away their postseason hopes. So we'll talk with Mark Grody coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Stay right where you're at because we're going to talk with him. Uh, about that and then uh, we've got a little bit later on in the program today we got uh, the conversation that Mike Clemens grabbed which was uh, talking uh, with Bo Melton and which is a really uh, we're going to get kind of a a preview so to speak as well of this contest but in the grand scheme of things with Bo Melton uh, you're going to hear him talk about what we were talking about earlier that Jordan Love is gathering the wide receivers Monday nights. They're going to Jordan's house, and they're all getting on the same page. And then when they come back to to practice on Wednesday, they're taking everything they just studied, everything they just learned, everything they just talked about, and they're putting it and implementing it into the game plan on Wednesday. So you're going to hear that conversation coming up in the next hour as well. Stay right where you're at. We're two hours down, two hours yet to go. Mark Grody, he uh, covers the Chicago Bears. We're going to talk with him. That is coming up just after the top of the hour. Stay right where you're at.